Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America. That is, of course, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we are currently residing in the beautiful KSO studios on the southwest side of the city, out in the hub and the bub of this part of town, as we like to say. Welcome to a uh, couple hours of the Patrick Lally Show, where we will engage in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. Uh, we're going to talk some sports and leisure. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, global health and all kinds of really fun stuff today, as always, and a lot of local politics, which you know we enjoy here on the Patrick Lally Show. We hope you do, too. Uber producer Dan Peters is here in studio bringing you the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some of your time with us today on Information 1000 KSOO. If you're out driving around, great to that you're sticking with us. I appreciate that. Perhaps you're streaming live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app where you get that one-touch live streaming of all your KSOO programming. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, on the KSO page, or on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. And just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Dan, you thought it couldn't get any better, Bruce is suing the mayor. How about that? Bruce is loose. (laughs) Bruce is certainly loose. Bruce Danielson, uh, who, of course, many of you know as a frequent city critic. Is that fair to say? Boy, I, 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 you're you're in the right direction. I don't yeah. know. It's it's fair to say. I will say that. Yeah, fair to say that he is a often a he's a he's a commenter at city council. He has been uh, a documenter through video of many city events. Very civically active. Civic, civically active. That's what I like. Uh, of course, Bruce has a longstanding uh, dispute. With the city over code enforcement stuff, uh, I believe he actually won. Uh, some charges were dropped against him uh, at one point. So the Bruce filed a federal lawsuit, and he included uh, Mayor Mike Huther in this, and uh, uh, Attorney General Mar- Marty Jackley, and some other people involved in city government. But those are the two big ones, and it stems from what Bruce contends. Uh, Huther uh, physically struck him in the back of the head with an elbow as the mayor was leaving a city council meeting. Uh, And so it was, you know, there was a a lot going on at the time in 2015. And uh, this was when the whole uh, Premier Center siding issue had come up that uh, you have to remember that Bruce Danielson was the person who originally sort of made that a deal. And, uh, and, you know, sort of dug into it. And he says that, you know, after completion of a, uh, the mayor's presentation at a city council meeting, uh, the mayor and his entourage exited the room using the aisle behind Danielson's chair, the lawsuit says. It is alleged that Mayor Huther struck Danielson in the back of the head, damaging, damaging his head and dental structures. So apparently, and you'll remember some of this, uh, Danielson filed a criminal complaint with the state DCI, but nothing ever happened. So he says Jackley hindered and suppressed the investigation. So he on Monday, and this is I'm getting this from uh, Jonathan Ellis's story today in the Argus Leader, but you you can go see the lawsuit yourself. These things are available. Um, he said uh, Danielson filed it so late because there's a three year statute of limitations on the thing. Okay, so he had to file it now or it uh, it wouldn't happen too late. And he says, uh, he told Ellis that it comes down to civil rights. There have been attacks on me personally in many different ways. The forces of government have been used against me illegally. Uh, of course, nobody will respond in the thing. Uh, Jack Lee, Huther, nobody like that. So, uh, you know, we all know Bruce. And he has gotten under the mayor's skin on more than one occasion. And so... Uh, the, the interesting thing about this was, and this came up again in Ellis's story, uh, today is he had been arrested on code enforcement violations on July 15, 2014 
on the same day, a meeting was held on the flawed paneling on the Premier Center, and he had planned to come and testify. The charges were later dismissed by a judge, and his lawsuit says the timing of the arrest with the paneling meeting was not a coincidence. This is, and then it gets weird. <laughs> yeah, if that wasn't enough. Yeah, then it, then it takes a turn. So the lawsuit accuses Huther of loitering on several occasions near Danielson's vehicle following city council meetings. After one of those meetings, Danielson says he asked security to escort him to his vehicle. The lawsuit also claims the city officials harassed or imitated, Im, intimidated others. And then it goes on to this thing about uh, Kenny Anderson. Uh, you know, you can read the story on the rest of that for yourself. But holy buckets. This is this is high quality local drama at its best. I you know, it's a federal lawsuit. So I imagine I'll get a hearing and everybody will have to testify or at least file written testimony. Imagine what'll be in that. Man, that and and this will probably take place after Mayor Huther is out of office. Oh yeah. I don't know. Did do you know if that might have played a part? in the decision to file at this, you know, there, there is the, the statute of limitations, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, mm-hmm. but now that you're getting into the final, you know, less than a month until Huther is out of office. Yeah. I kind of wonder if that, that has any sway in the case. I, you know, that's the immediate question. Now, Scott Erisman of he's on this program frequently of South Dakota.com, his blog. He of course is a, uh, a comrade of Mr. Danielson. And he said on his blog today that he, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It was just the statute of limitations and he doesn't comment further because he thinks he'll be called as a witness. So I I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, if nothing else, it's just, it's great theater. It just keeps getting better and better. And the thing about Danielson, you know what I'm reminded of? And this is a weird uh, comparison. Many years ago, there was a guy uh, in town, uh, CJ. uh, Now I can't remember his last name. CJ. He, uh, not Anderson. CJ Anderson? No, I don't want to. Anyway, he had the strip joints in town for a while. He had the Frontier Club. He had CJs. He operated several places. The city kept trying to drive him out of business. And every time they tried something, he'd pop up someplace else that was worse in terms of location than the place he had before. And at one point, he was running a bar in what is now the Great Outdoor Store. Charlie Johnston. Thank you. Charlie Johnston, CJ. And uh, thank you, Dan. And this is kind of the same thing. It's like every time uh, the mayor has tried to, you know, nothing has been really overt, but try and you know, tweak Bruce a little bit or gets mad at him or whatever, Bruce just pops up again. And, uh, you know, Bruce has uh, time, apparently. He spends a lot of time researching. He's very good at uh, data analysis and research and uh, data mining and all these different things. And I, I don't know why the mayor has gotten so worked up about all this stuff. If he would just... Let Scott and uh, Bruce do their thing, show up with their video camera, uh, speak their minds, put a smile on his face and move on. That would have been the best defense. But, you know, I don't know. Did he hit him in the back of the head? Who knows? You'd probably have to have some medical medical evidence to to present. And maybe he will. I, I don't know Bruce's case and we'll be watching this. But man, I'm like, that is, from from my perspective in what I do here at the radio station, KSOO, as a commenter and analysis, analysis, analyst, analyst, <laughs> this is outstanding. It doesn't get any better. Yeah. And my job as producer, Uber producer here at the Patrick Lally show, mm-hmm. I have to come up with the musical Yes. Theme to be able yes. to to describe the situation. There's a great version of that by The Clash, by the way. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Aw- it's, it's awesome. That's a great song, though. Who originally wrote that song? Who's, whose version is that? That was Johnny Darrell, but that's not the original. Yeah, oh, it was the Bobby Fuller 4. 
I really? believe, was the first one to do the that. Bobby Fuller Four. Yeah. Now that's a good pull. And the uh, and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band I know did an edition of oh, it. Oh yeah. See, that's that's one of the things that uh, Dan brings to the show is an encyclopedic knowledge of country and traditional American music. Just encyclopedic. How do you pull the the Bobby Fuller Four? That's amazing. Oh man, that I. For some reason, I have all of these little layers in my gray matter. And the, oh, oh, Bobby Fuller Forb. Oh, you know. There it is. You know those guys. That's awesome. Uh, in addition to that, we have a fantastic show for you. Uh, Angela Landin is an instructor at the USD School of Health Sciences. She's going to be here to talk to us about uh, this uh, display, this uh, traveling show they have down at uh, Vermilion, Against the Odds, Making a Difference in Global Health. It's fascinating. We're going to learn all about NASA Day at the Siouxland Libraries with Stephanie Bentz. Uh, I love NASA. Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will join us to talk about state politics. Speaking of Marty Jackley, he's uh, out in uh, Washington today, and uh, Corey's been boning up on that, so we'll talk about the state's argument on sales tax. Common Man's here for Weird Friends. We're going to talk some baseball, man. Love it. Twins are in Puerto Rico tonight. It's going to be awesome. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, the Minnehaha County Republicans and the mayor's race. You're going to want to stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 322 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Let's get a little closer to free here with the Bodines today on the PL statement. And uh, looking through the news, looking through the news. And uh, actually, I found some interesting things today uh, on, I mentioned Scott Erisman earlier. Um, and I saw some stuff on his blog and I tracked it down and uh, with a little help from Scott. So hat tip to Scott. That's the lingo of the uh, the bloggers, the hat tip. Yeah, hat tip is the, yeah, that's the lingo. HT. Um, so I saw this post and, and, and I went back and, and, uh, with some help, I, f- I found the original documents and it's a couple of emails that were sent out by, uh, the Minnehaha County GOP and the Minnehaha Lincoln County Republican women. Okay. So, and there's, I saw another thing today that, that ties in with this having to do with Pennington County. And it's, it has to do with the local, uh, control of these Republican parties. And that's really the issue at the core of it. So, but the first one is an email, and these are both in support of Paul Tenhaken. And uh, I've talked to Paul kind of about this in general. And, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with Paul, okay? He's got no hand in this deal. But uh, as you might expect, uh, Paul's a Republican, you know, that's no secret. So, but the, the, the content of these emails, so the first one is, says, you know, there are stark differences between the two candidates seeking the Sioux Falls mayor's office on May 1. One is seeking a liberal, social, and anti-business agenda for the community and has the support of major Democrat players. And the other is Paul Tenhagen. So it's a call for help to, you know, volunteers and stuff. And it says national liberal special interest groups are sending money and campaign staff to Sioux Falls to elect Paul's opponent. It's time to step up and help elect a leader with executive leadership, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, you know, it says call this number. Uh, and uh, help out. That's that's one. That's that's signed by Dave uh, Rotman. Rotman. I don't I don't know Dave. Hope I didn't terribly mercilessly uh, massacre his name. And then the other ones uh, from uh, the Minnehaha Lincoln Republican Women. And you know it it's got some of the same language. Uh, national special interest groups are sending money and campaign staff to Sioux Falls. Yada yada yada. You know, and here's the thing. I, I don't really have any problem with the with the people doing this. That's that's their right, right? But here's what I know for sure. Jolene Letcher, who I've, I've talked to both these candidates a lot, okay? I, she's not seeking a liberal, social, and anti-business agenda, as, as, the, uh, as the letters are suggesting. And so, I mean, that's just fear-mongering, you know? Yeah, Jolene's a Democrat. Paul's a Republican. That's it. But that doesn't have anything really to do with city politics. Not really. As I said, it's perfectly within their rights to do this. But then there's this from the GOP women. 
We have had enough years of liberal progressivism with Mayor Mike Uther. He, liberal progressivism of Mayor Mike Uther. He has dug our city into a debt home of debt. Now, you can make a case that Uther extended the city's debt service beyond what some are comfortable with. That's fine. That's a fine discussion. But we're not going down the tubes because we've sold some bonds. Okay? We sold some bonds to build the, uh, the event center and the aquatic center and all these things. Yeah, we did those things. We went into debt to do it. But we're not going down the tubes because of it. Uh, we don't need this kind of wild-eyed conspiracy theories from what re- purports to be a Republican Party organ. I, I don't think they are. I think that the local county organizations have completely lost, not completely, but they are, they are outside the circle of what would be considered traditional Republican positions. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Um, and I want to say I've talked to both Paul and Jolene, as I said. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they know it's a nonpartisan race. We don't talk about partisan issues because they don't really apply here like they would in a national sense. Do they have both have aspirations? Maybe, probably, but it doesn't have anything to do with the mayor's race. Republicans may tend to support Paul. Democrats may tend to support Jolene, but it's not a partisan race. Don't make it a partisan race. And there's this line in this letter that I don't even know what this means. We are all very aware of our big city election last week. Now that the list is down to two candidates and it's not really considered neatly as nonpartisan as it officially was last week, we can help it as an organization. I don't know what that means. As it was last week, it's still the same thing. This, these kinds of things. So, And then I see a posting uh, uh, that is, uh, I saw this on the Dakota Free Press blog by Corey Heidelberger from earlier in the, in the day. And Corey's going to be here later and we might talk about this. Uh, Kevin Wooster wrote a piece for South Dakota Public Broadcasting where he talks about uh, uh, the Pennington County Party and it's how their meeting, which used to be open, they made him, they told him he had to buy a ticket and they threatened him if he didn't write the kind of stuff they agreed with. And they've gone into this sort of, uh, the, this, the wild anti-Muslim talk, the Neil Tapio talk. And I see that the Republican County the women locally here, the Mihai Lincoln, I saw somewhere that they're bringing in Neil Tapio because they're they're back in the, the, the anti-Muslim stuff. I don't know what's happening at the local party level, but they have taken a turn. And this happened before with Laura Hubble took over the, the county Republicans and they, they went kind of off the edge. And that I this is not good for Republicans to do this. And I know that it's, it's kind of, you know, not that big a deal. It's party politics in the, at the county level. Who cares? But I hate to see it. And it's got it's to stop. Get, stay out of the mayor's race, first of all. Just stay out of it. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, patrick at kso.com, and we'll chat. Coming up on the program just after the news and weather, we got the common man. Common man. We're going to talk some baseball. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 336 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring into the studio via the phone lines my good weird friend, or my weird good friend. The Common Man, Mr. Common, thanks for being here today. Patrick, always a pleasure. And always reliable. You know, you're always there for me. I appreciate <laughs> well, that. Yeah, well, That's the uh, thing about my weird friends. Uh, uh, they all have time on their hands just to sit around and talk to me on the phone. Well, I don't know what, how that works, but they do. Well, it's either this or get in line early for the government cheese. You know. <laughs> hey, uh, did you survive the blizzard okay? You guys have a I nice weekend? did. Yeah, wasn't that something? Uh, it's a, you know, and the more I thought about it... And, not that it matters for me since I've been married so long, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, where's this going? Uh, yes, but uh, the, the the just wondering about five years from now if there won't be or the next year, excuse yeah. me, in in January, uh, what if there might be a little bit of a baby boom, a blizzard mm-hmm. baby boom that, that hits Sioux Falls about first week of January next mm-hmm. year. All the girls will be named April. Oh sure, <laughs> yep, yeah. It's it, it it's got to happen because I think there's a coinciding. And I was doing some legwork on this, and I was out in the beat, mm-hmm. 
And uh, my unofficial research indicates that there was quite a a population bump after the ice storm, vice storm of 2013. Oh, yeah, when the power was out and everybody had to huddle together. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not much of a big fan of Roseanne, the show. Yeah. But when the one time her and Dan on the show were shopping for a mattress, and he was quibbling about the price, and Roseanne looked at him and said, you know, just trying to get him to sway him, she goes, come on, Dan, it's what poor people do for fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good Roseanne thank, thank you. Should you hear my national anthem? Yeah, don't. <laughs> um, please, please no. Please don't. Speaking of national anthems, uh, our twins play... Tonight in Puerto Rico, so we know we're going to actually have some baseball. Can you imagine any group of men happier to be in Puerto Rico? No, than the Twins no. and the Indians, I imagine. You and know, I, we haven't had a baseball game since Thursday. Oh, it's a, it's opening day all over again, which <laughs> is which is kind of cool because I think you know some guys like Sano, who you could just see were just suffering. Yes, in the in the in, in the cold cold temperatures, just not able to get going. I looked it up. There's, there's been 21 uh, what Major League Baseball calls postponements. Yes. And so far in two and a half weeks, the record is 26. When was through, that? Through the end of April. That was in 2007, I believe it was. Right. So it's, it's, it's amazing that just, that the, how the baseball has just stopped and started. But the Twins are a big series, though. I mean, it's for an early season series, you've got uh, tonight, it's uh, Odorizzi mm-hmm. against Kluba. Uh, Oh, yeah. Corey Kluber, so you've got the Cy Young Award winner going against, you know, the Twins' new opening day starter. Yeah. And tomorrow it's a Barrios again against Carrasco. So Bariso, Barrios has been just tearing it up. Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's always had that, that flash to him, but, you, mm-hmm. but he's really been consistent. And he's going to be have to be for the Twins to make that kind of move that they want to. But, you know, Cleveland's been the bully in the block for the last couple of years, and and be honest, they've just sort of taken the Twins out and beaten the tar out of them. Well, last with, couple of years had to add with Kluber going tonight. That doesn't that doesn't portend well for us. Yeah, that, that's you know after a week layoff or, yeah. or a four day layoff mm-hmm. facing Corey Kluber. Mm, yeah, yeah, well, but that's why they play the games, Patrick. Yep. That's why they play them. At least they're uh, at least they'll be able to feel the ball. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, and the other thing too is that somebody was saying, "Why? Why should we do all these, make all these changes to Major League Baseball? Start later, do all stuff." So I've, I counted. There was thirty Major League Baseball stadiums, thirteen of them, if you include Kansas City, which mm-hmm. is possible, but twelve solid that are open air, cold weather stadiums, mm-hmm. and that's that's hugely impactful. You can't just say, "Well, let's all schedule everybody's in the." South yeah. for the first two weeks of the season. You just can't. There's just not enough places to do it. No, baseball started as a northern sport. It is still primarily a northern sport. It's just the way it is. And you know, the, even Kansas City, they uh, they had that game coming up with the the Phenom on Sunday night. Uh, it was going to be a nationally televised game with the the new Babe Ruth. I always forget his name. Oh, uh, Otani. Yeah, Otani. Yeah, he's that guy's awesome. He and awesome. I was, you know. I want to see that guy play, and they had to cancel that game because it was 35 degrees in Kansas City. Yeah, 35 in Kansas City. Yeah. So it's 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 amazing, and you wonder what what's the answer, right? I mean, obviously, it, to me, it's shorten shorten the season, start mm-hmm. later, but play double headers, yeah. and if you need to have a roster exemption for one day, mm-hmm. where you can call up an extra pitcher or catcher or both, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Bring them up, let them pitch. Yep. Don't call it an option, but get them in, get them out, get your games played in a reasonable and comfortable period of time. Day-night doubleheader, man. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. I'm, Common I'm man. one of the people old enough to have actually gone to one of those. <laughs> that's cool. Mm-hmm. Common man, thanks for uh, filling us in. I, I think that's words of wisdom, and uh, we'll hope to cheer on the Twins tonight to a huge victory over Kluber, Clobber, Cooper. <laughs> the Klubot. The Klubot, exactly. Play ball. Thanks a lot, man. You bet. Thanks, Patrick. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk about NASA Day at the Siouxland Libraries with Stephanie Bentz. That's right after these messages. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are very happy to have in studio with us today Stephanie Bentz. She is a librarian with the Siouxland Library System, 
at the downtown branch. Uh, Stephanie, thanks for being here today very much. I appreciate you taking some time to come into the studio. Oh, always happy to come. I almost forgot to turn on your microphone there. That was the panicked <laughs> look in my eye. That's great radio. Um, anyway, uh, we've got Stephanie in here today because the downtown library has something coming up called NASA Day, which just piques my interest because I like space. Uh, Stephanie, tell us, what is NASA Day? Well, when people think libraries, they don't normally think science. They're thinking more books and reading and are always surprised to find out when we've branched into other fields of interest. NASA Day, we received a grant to sponsor uh, science and space science-related programming throughout the year. So NASA Discovery Day is a big event where we've asked all these area organizations who work with people in science to come in and provide some activities where people can get some hands-on experience with science. That's awesome. And so it's not just about NASA. It's sort of under the umbrella of NASA exploring the world of science. Yes, it is. So tell us what sorts of things will be happening. and, And first of all, when is it? Well, it is this Saturday, so I'm hoping the weather holds out this weekend. Well, it's going to be fine. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, good. So everybody can come down. It's 2 to 4 at the downtown library. And we are going to have things like the Star Lab. We borrowed it from Mm. the Siouxland Heritage Museums. That thing is cool. Oh, it is. I had never seen anything like it. You kind of climb into this dome, and it's really, really dark in there. And we cast out what the constellations will look like in the sky. And at first, they're outlined, and they're easy to see, and it's a lot of fun. And then they switch out to where they aren't outlined, and can you pick them out of the night sky? And it's a heck of a lot harder than you think it is. (laughs) No, I know it's hard. When they trained us on how to do this, on how to run that sky lab, we were in it with a five-year-old girl and her brother. And darn it, if those kids couldn't do it, <laughs> they yeah. knew exactly where the constellations are. Show-offs. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You can take the challenge and see if you can pick out the constellations in the Star Lab. Cool, and so uh, you've got guests. Well, go, tell oh, us some yeah. of the other activities going on here, two to four at the library on Saturday. Well, Siouxland Libraries has a lot of local supporters, and we love seeing this. We have so many great organizations in our community. And among the people coming, one of the groups is Fellowship of the Loose Screws. Have you heard of them? No, but I like the name. Oh, yes. This is a group of teenagers who do First Tech Challenge. That's um, the robotics programs where they build a robot, program it, and then have it compete in challenges. Those are awesome. Yes. I love that stuff. They are. And they're so bright, these kids. And they're not just smart, but they're really good with people, these Mm -hmm. kids. So they are going to do circuits and robotics where you can build circuits um, made from some kind of squishy substance like (laughs) Play-Doh or I'm not even sure what it is, but it, it works. And then also the Washington Pavilion is coming, and they're bringing their programmable robots, too. So people will program them to do certain challenges like, oh, I don't know, roll a ping pong ball uphill. I'm not exactly sure how you program a (laughs) robot, but they they walk you through it. You know what, Stephanie? You're going to learn. Yes. Yes. Yep. Start where everybody else did. Yeah, that's right. We uh, worked with Eros um, to come out, too. And this one is really interesting. They have a way of doing a scavenger hunt using their um, large screen TV. So you will try to search for objects from their 3D images. And I think that one sounds like a good time, too. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of stuff for kids to do. Um, mm-hmm. And and what's the what's really the the goal of the of the whole operation in terms of uh, kids and, and, and education? What are you trying to tell them? Well, I want kids to think that someday they could have a career in science, that this is that it's open to them and available to them. The people that they will see doing these activities were students at one time who just thought that they could do engineering and science and even space science and become astronauts, that it's accessible for everybody. So my hope is that we're inspiring people to try things, learn more about science, and then maybe consider a career in it when they graduate from high school and move on to college. Anything but library science, right? No. Well, yeah, <laughs> or that too. I wouldn't mind inspiring some of those 
students no, too. That's fine. It's lovely. Uh, Stephanie Benz, uh, she's with the Siouxland Libraries. We're talking about NASA Day on Saturday, two to four at the downtown library. Uh, now you were mentioning to me that this this uh, event is just part of a larger uh, under a larger umbrella. Uh, what is that all about? Well, I don't know. NASA just decided they wanted to be, to be more accessible to people. They're based in Houston, and then sometimes they have offices on the coasts. Mm-hmm. But inner America sometimes doesn't get all the benefits of being close to where they're located. So they wanted to reach out and do programming across the country. And what better way to reach people than through your public library? So they offered grants to public libraries, and Siouxland Libraries was one of 500 different public libraries that applied for it. And I think they gave about 75 of the grants mm. out. So we were very lucky. And we're the only library in South Dakota that received it. So this grant funds more than just this event? I mean, how, mm-hmm. how, how much was the grant and, and what all is involved with uh, uh, applying it? I mean, of using the money? Well, we didn't receive cash as much as we receive training. So we got to send uh, one of our employees to a training in Denver where she learned how to do some different hands-on activities to teach science. And then she came back with kits. They sent different kits and things to us where we could have events that people could do things to learn about science. I was going to make a reference to Caddyshack, and there'll be no money, but yeah. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm just yeah. going to let that go. That's NASA in this case. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, what what other stuff is coming up? I mean, is this is uh, one event on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, what can we look forward to in the future under this, uh, under this operation? Well, I can't wait till this summer. We're working to do a, a night under the stars with we're for adults now this is an adult program where we would meet up at a winery and look at the stars now you're talking yes <laughs> yes so i'm sorry this is one to leave the kids at home for but i'm we're all gonna go for, lay in the grass and look at the stars i, yeah. I like this already and um that one we're we're looking at july or august or september 4 mm-hmm. well that's outstanding uh, we'll look forward to that. You'll have to come back before then. Oh, we would love to. We'll we'll, uh, we'll explore the stars and some wine. That'll be fabulous. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Bentz, she's a librarian with the Siouxland Libraries, and we've been talking about NASA Day. It's Saturday, 2 to 4. Bring the kids. That's a kiddo, kiddo one, and they can learn all about careers in science and being doing cool stuff. Stephanie, thanks a lot for coming by and filling us in. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog. Always fun with Corey. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Public service announcements with guitar! 3.57 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Hey, I don't want you guys to forget, we had, uh, uh, last week, we had Darcy Hustlewit on from the Arthritis Foundation, and their event is coming up this Friday, the Art for Arthritis, 5.30 to 9.30 at the Holiday Inn City Center, that's the one downtown, an event featuring the art of juvenile arthritis champions age 4 to 13 and their local volunteer mentor artists, enjoy hors d'oeuvres, dinner and desserts, silent and live auctions, and more. It's a great cause, and a good time. And a lot of really great kids who have uh, arthritis. And it's uh, you don't think of it as a, a kid's affliction. It really can be, and it can be devastating. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog. And we'll talk about Marty Jackley out there in uh, Washington, D.C., talking about sales tax. That is on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and I'm very happy. Every most every Tuesday, we have uh, blogger Corey Heidelberger on the program from DakotaFreePress.com. We talk politics from his home up in Aberdeenang, Aberdeen, Aberdeenang. That was something a former colleague of mine used to always say. I think it works, and uh, but we're very happy. As as luck would have it, Corey is in town today and in studio. Corey, 
God, it's good to see you. Hey, it's good to be here, and it's good to see some snow again. Nothing fell in Aberdeen, so I had to come see your foot or two. It's pretty awesome. What? You're kidding me. No, not a bit. So think the the trees are turning green and everything up in Aberdeen? Oh, we wish. No, it's still a gray and grim (laughs) wasteland. We can't even make a snowman in it. But we're working on it. We're working on it. Oh, my God. Say, uh... Here's what I want to talk to you about today, first off. And uh, Corey's going to be here for a couple segments, so we're going to knock down a couple things. Uh, Marty Jackley, Attorney General Marty Jackley, gubernatorial candidate Marty Jackley, uh, is out in uh, Washington today in front of the, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Uh, it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Well, it is, although you know what I saw online was apparently he really went to Washington, D.C. to film little like campaign Facebook videos. Oh, but then okay. he turned around and like, oh, the Supreme Court's right behind me. I'll go make an argument. <laughs> Selfies, selfie with the Supreme Court. <laughs> really? Did he do some live stuff out there? Uh, well, I, I don't know if it was live, but I did see online there was a little campaign video and it was very explicitly, I'm fighting for South Dakota, Marty Jackley for governor. And I was like, oh, okay, I see how that works. Do you think the campaign paid for uh, part of the flight? Or? I sure hope I didn't pay for that part of the trip. I'll say that. But but yeah, he's out there today. He made his big, big argument about the remote seller's sales tax, basically your Amazon sales tax in front of the Supreme Court this morning. Yeah. Um, and he, so how'd that go for him, do you think? Well, now I just read most of the transcript. Oh, uh, really? They, they have it posted already. The Supreme Court puts it up pretty quick. They're, oh, you know, awesome. Federal government's pretty efficient in that regard. <laughs> but they have the transcript. Um, I, ha- I haven't gotten to hear the audio. I'm sure Nina Totenberg on, on public radio. Yeah. Sorry, I know no, competition. That's okay. But Nina, I love Nina Totenberg's reporting on Supreme Court. You get yeah. good stuff from her. She's got a good sense of it. I just read the text. And what happened was they did, I think, 60 minutes of arguments uh, Jack Lee got the first quarter and then he tag teamed. He got to go. And then a guy from the department of justice an assistant, uh, solicitor general, they call it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So they did kind of their side, the South Dakota side. And then, uh, the opponents lawyer for the, like the online sales industry, Wayfair and those online retailers, mm-hmm. they got the other half of the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I read in the transcript, you know, Marty starts in, he says, may it please the court. And he gets two sentences in and then speech is done. Cause justice Sotomayor cuts in and is like, all right, boom. And then they just started grilling him. <laughs> That's, you know, that would be awful. Wouldn't it? You, you've done all this work and you know that they can do that. But and you also got a plan for the fact that they might just sit on their hands and listen, right? Sure. And that, you know, and it was interesting. I looked at the transcript and Jack Lee, like I say, two sentences in, boom, they're on him. Um, and all, all, lots of the justices asking questions. Not Thomas, though. He never says anything. No. But um, and then when the federal, the assistant solicitor general, Stewart, uh, Trump's guy or Sessions guy mm-hmm. came in there, they let him talk a little longer. Hmm. You know, and then same with the uh, uh, attorney for the industry. They got to talk a little longer, too. So just, I mean, a very, on a very superficial read of yeah. the transcript, you might be like, hey, come on. Why doesn't South Dakota get some respect here? Let the man talk. No, it's like uh, giving him the, co- you know, it's like giving him the business first time he's there. You know sure, sure. <laughs> but I'm, the thing is, I'm, I'm going to cut Jack Lee some slack on that and say he, he's not dumb. He's a lawyer. He knows how this goes. I'm yep. sure it's exactly what you said. He had his prepared statement, but he's ready to take whatever interruptions they had. And you could tell he was briefed out. I mean, not getting into the real nitty gritty, mm-hmm. but just the, you know, the justices were talking about this case and that case and another case that are, you know, in the briefs, the person reading it's like, what's that case? Right. And Jack Lee's responding right away using the same terminology. You know, he was with it. He was ready for... I think most of the questions, especially the technical questions about the briefs, the prepared materials that they offered. So don't get me wrong. There's part of me that likes to laugh at Marty and go, yeah, two, two sentences in and they cut you <laughs> off. But I'm sure he was prepared for that. And the responses he offered indicated he was prepared for, you know, pretty rough treatment. So do you, what was the nature of the questions without, like you say, it's, it's, it can be very technical, but what were they seem to be interested in in terms of uh, our role in this? Well, I tell you, I mean, looking at all of the questions, and this comes especially from what they asked Attorney General Jackley, but also in the other questioning for the other uh, uh, the, the lawyers arguing here. Um, the justices didn't sound like they were going to slam dunk this for South Dakota. Hmm. Uh, they didn't sound like it was going to slam dunk the other way, but they have some serious doubts about letting South Dakota collect sales tax from businesses and sellers Mm -hmm. in other states. Because of the interstate commerce 
clause, right? Is that part of this? That is part of it. Um, I, I mean, you've got a lot of things working there. In terms of the principles, what we heard in the questions was, uh, like I think Justice Sotomayor and some others were bringing up, why don't we just let Congress act? Congress mm-hmm. could pass some sort of uniform statute for sales tax that would satisfy the Commerce Clause c- concerns of the, the 1992 case, the, mm-hmm. the Quill case, they call it, from North, North Dakota. Dakota. That's the one that started it that South Dakota is trying to overturn. The justices were working hard in their questions to say, do we really have to do something here? Couldn't we leave Quill alone? You know, stare decisis. Right. That's the the legal term for not overturning right. a ruling, letting past ruling stands. If Congress can act, why not just let that happen? And so I, and Chief Justice Roberts too was on this line of questioning. So what I read at least was a court that would really rather not be the judicial activists that conservative South Dakota is asking them to be. Remember, yeah. that's the cool, that's the interesting thing here. Conservative South Dakota and Marty Jackley are asking the court to overturn stare decisis and make it possible for us to collect more tax dollars. And the Supreme Court sounded today like they want to be the true conservatives and not monkey with their decisions and let Congress come up with the answer. That's very interesting because purely from a selfish point of view, you say, oh, it's taking all our money. They're killing us. Well, but it's a national issue. It's a, it's the same issue from state to state to state is that you're losing money on Main Street because people are buying online. And, and, and that's interesting. I mean, the court focused exactly on that. And they said, well, if things are as bad as you say, you know, if, 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 if Main Street retailers are losing money to Amazon and this and that, that's happening in every state. That's not unique. So states all, all must want a solution. Mm-hmm. Congress would feel that pressure from the states and come up with a solution. But the, the justices were saying, hey, Congress has sat on its hands for 26 years on this issue. Isn't that a sign that Congress is satisfied? And if Congress is satisfied, who is, how is it the Supreme Court's place to tell Congress what to do? Right. So Congre- that's a really interesting principle of kind of judicial restraint. If right. Congress isn't acting and they could, we're not going to charge in and tell them to do otherwise. That's what they do, right? That's if you believe in the conservative court and not, and you don't believe in judicial activism, then that's not their role. But that's the role that our attorney general and the, and the Trump uh, uh, assistant uh, solicitor, solicitor general mm-hmm. are asking the court to take on. It's a really interesting case to listen to. Strange bedfellows, right? Uh, we're going to come right back after a short break and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of dakotafreepress.com. After this message, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 420 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I ain't your baby, I ain't your baby now. Mm, we'll trample by turtles to get everybody going. We return to our conversation with Corey Heidelberger on the Supreme Court. No, we're, not, we're done with the Supreme <laughs> Court. Corey, of course, is a blogger uh, at dakotafreepress.com. He's on the show pretty much every Tuesday, and we're lucky enough to have him in the studio today rather than on the phone from the frozen tundra of Aberdeen. So uh, there's something else I want to talk to you about, and that is you had a post just today, and I talked a little bit about it uh, earlier in the program, and that is uh, Kevin Wooster, former Argus Lee reporter, uh, when I was there, former Rapid City Journal reporter, uh, former uh, but former uh, uh, Kello reporter, now working with South Dakota Public Broadcasting, and he wrote a blog about trying to get into a Pennington County Republican GOP party function. Yeah, their their fundraising dinner, the yes. annual Lincoln Day dinner. So straight up Lincoln Day dinner, and normally as a journalist, you'd go hang out. We we cover these things all the time. And but they told Kevin he had to he he had to buy a ticket and essentially they were going to kick him in the hinder if he didn't uh, uh, write what they wanted him to do. That's crazy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it was. And this, you know, this is coming from Kevin Wooster, and he's a, he's a pretty fair journalist. I mean, there there are conservatives who hate him, and there are liberals who hate him. So that must mean he's telling well, the truth. Well, I mean, in all fairness. Pretty much everybody hates Kevin, but I, <laughs> I like Kevin. I, I kid, love you, man. I kid, but uh, uh, I was his boss for a while, right, so right. I have uh, I have reason to hate him. Um, the that's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair to Kevin. The uh, it was weird though. I mean, the fact that they were going to make him pay—that's one thing. I mean, and in some measure, okay, pay the money, get it reimbursed. Your company will pay for it. But the fact that they kind of threatened him is really disturbing. Uh, 
What do you make of this? Well, yeah, and like like Kevin noted in his blog post, and here we are talking about public radio again because he mm-hmm. wrote this for the blog he writes for for SDPB yep. online there. Um, he noted what you said. In the past, he's gone to these functions all the time, and everybody knows Kevin, all the politicos do, and mm-hmm. they've let him in, and, you know, he sits in the back, takes notes, he goes and talks to the, the candidates, you know, because all the candidates come to these mm-hmm. things, except for Dusty Johnson. He got snowed in in Mitchell, he said. <laughs> uh, these things happen. But, you know, everybody knows Kevin, and, and really, you know, the candidates all recognize Kevin's a pretty good guy to talk to because if we want to get the message out, by gum, have Kevin write a story about us. Mm-hmm. From a pure marketing perspective, if Kevin or any journalist walks in the room, you say, hey, how you doing? Come on over here. Let's talk a while. Get yourself some free, friendly press. Apparently, the leadership in the Republican Party in Pennington County out in Rapid City has decided who cares about that. They're, I mean, it, it reads like they're buying wholly into the Donald Trump, we hate the media, the media is our enemy kind of approach. And not that I'm saying that politicians have to butter up or kiss no. up to the media. I mean, a little, you know, a tense relationship between politicians and the media, kind of a little bit of adversarial relationship that's to be expected and it's good. But to come at it from a county party perspective of just saying, we don't trust you. We're, you know, we don't want you here compared to like previous practice where Kevin was welcome at these things. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just kind of the, you know, the way Kevin portrays it. And again, this is just Kevin, right? Kevin writing about it. We're waiting for the county party to write their own blog post about it. <laughs> the, 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 the blatant physical intimidation being used. Some big burly guy standing there in front of him in his big leather jacket saying, I'm security. Come on, you're not security. You're just some big guy pretending you can beat someone up if you at want. A, at a Lincoln Day dinner? At a Lincoln Day <laughs> dinner for crying. These... Look around. I, well, I won't get into who's dangerous at a Republican or Lincoln Day dinner. But I mean, although I'll tell you, even I've gone to a Lincoln Day dinner. I went to one in Lawrence County back in 2014. They let me in. They, me. Yeah. They let me sit in the back and <laughs> the take noted, notes. Noted lefty. Yeah. Corey Heidelberg. I just put my journalist hat on. I said, I won't make trouble. It was fine. But to intimidate Kevin Wooster and, and, and not just some unknown guy, a, an organizer, Craig Ericks. Mm-hmm. And Kevin didn't get his, you know, his actual position in the party, but he was an organizer of the dinner standing there and saying, yeah, quite literally, we will kick your behind if we don't like what you write about this event. That shows an unhealthy inclination toward kind of physical intimidation that isn't good for anybody. It's not, it's not good for the press. It's not good for the people who want to know what the candidates are saying at these events. And it's not good for the party. It makes the party look bad. Like they're afraid of having a decent journalist like Kevin Wooster talk to their candidates. Yeah, and if there's one thing I know about Kevin is that he's not making it up. I mean, he's not, these are the details of what he described happened right i I would i would believe him on on absolute face value because i trust him yeah and that's why you have journalists so that you can trust them and that's why kevin has worked you know all over this state because you know various or print media broadcast whatever they're all like kevin wooster would be a good person to have because people trust him and and trust him for good reason you don't get to be where you are and you know where kevin wooster is Mm -hmm. by being a sloppy journalist or a fake journalist that's for sure so yeah i mean granted i'd love to hear the republican side of the story but yeah i agree with you we have no reason to think kevin would go to a republican day dinner and make stuff up this is a genuine expression of kind of a republican antipathy for just normal press at least what used to be normal press well and we we should say i think that a lot of and i said this earlier i think a lot of mainline mainline republicans are not participating at the county level in those organizations. And so they've sort of been taken over by fringe people. It happened here in Minnehaha County. I think it's happening again. And I don't know all the details of, of who's involved anymore, but it's concerning when you see this kind of stuff uh, because it gives Republicans a bad name, first of all, and it, it clouds actual discussion of issues. And that's and that's what Kevin brought out in his post, too. I mean, it, it wasn't just about Kevin. This mm-hmm. wasn't just Kevin going, oh, poor me, they didn't let me write my story. I think the the he wrote it below, but I think this is maybe the bigger part of the story was exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. He said the guys who were trying to kick him out or keep him out were complaining that, yeah, we've got some boycotters. We've got some people who aren't showing up for the Lincoln Day dinner this year. I'm like, really? Why not? And they said, the, the Republicans mm-hmm. said, it's because some people are unhappy with kind of our, our anti-Sharia, anti-Islam, you know, those things that the party is focusing on. And I thought, well, 
there you go. That's another problem for the party. When even your rank and file think you're going too far with some of that rhetoric, Mm -hmm. that's not good for party organization because those folks who are boycotting the Lincoln Day dinner, I mean, those are people who will pay $100 a plate for a meal. Mm -hmm. I don't like paying $100 a plate for a meal. I'm (laughs) I'm going to McGovern Day for the Democrats in a couple weeks, but even there, I'm like... Hundred bucks for dinner? I mean, yeah, I know there's a speech too, but really, hundred bucks? Oh, they need you're, the money. You're talking about people who will drop that money and more. And you drove them away. And you drove them away. Yep. That's you know, driving journalists away is bad. Driving the money away from your party, dumb. That's yeah, that's dumb too. You don't want to do that. Corey Heidelberger, he is a blogger at DakotaFreePress.com. He is an admitted lefty, so take that for what it's worth. But it's uh, very interesting and I think spot on. So there you have it. Corey, thanks for being here again today. Thanks for having me. Always great to be here. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we are going to talk with Angela Landine of the USD Health Sciences Department about global health. How's that for a pivot? That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. 4.36 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. The clouds will blow away. we got a little sunshine up here, and we're happy about that. And we have on the line today, I'm very pleased to have Angela Landine, who is an instructor at the USD School of Health Sciences, down in Vermilion. Angela, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time for us today. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. How is it? Is the sun shining? Is it warm down in Vermilion? It's always nice down there. <laughs> you know it is. It's like as soon as you drive from, you know, Sioux Falls, you get about halfway. It's usually never any snow. Um, it's definitely a little hot spot in the state. Yeah, it's lovely. So you teach in the uh, School of Health Sciences uh, at USD. Tell us what you teach and, and uh, you know, sort of your area of expertise. Okay. Um, yes. So we are in the health sciences, School of Health Sciences. There's many um, different factions to that. We have, like, a occupational therapy, physical therapy, nursing, um, all kinds of the allied health role. Mm-hmm. And I specifically, uh, my little area of expertise that I just love is public health. So I teach public health classes, epidemiology, and global health through the semesters. Wow. That sounds, that sounds uh, uh, hard. <laughs> no, it's not hard. You know, it, it's a lot of, you know, obviously epidemiology probably is the most mm-hmm. um, math-based, but the rest of it really is a lot of thinking kind of out of the box and social issues. Um, the students have a good background of disease states, so it's just kind of going on forward of how we, can help communities, you know, be healthier, um, make sure there's no health inequities, that type of thing. Yeah. So, and the reason we've got you on the phone today, I should say, is they, you have an exhibit coming uh, to Vermilion that's called uh, Against the Odds, Making a Difference in Global Health. And this uh, highlights the role of communities improving health at home and all around the world. It sounds very interesting. Um, first of all, tell us about this exhibit and and where it comes from, who put this together? Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, this exhibit is from the National Library of Medicine under um, NIH in Bethesda, Maryland, and they have a whole series of different science, um, math, and also some English um, content. They have made all kinds of traveling exhibits, and really anybody can get a hold of them. You just got to get a hold of them, get on the schedule. They'll send you the exhibit. You get to... Um, you know, keep it for about five, six weeks, display it, and then you just kind of pack it up and send it to the next um, destination, should I say. So it definitely was great for us because right now we have global health going on. Uh, so it was nice for the students um, to read through the the panels. There's like six big panels, and then there's nice because there's an accompanying website um, that the NIH did that's really good. It has a bunch of recorded narrations to kind of dive deeper into the, the awareness the exhibit is trying to raise. Um, so uh, what's the website? Can I go look at it? <laughs> Can anybody go look at it? Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just against, it's E, it's against the odds, mm. just ATO.gov, um, and you can go right there. 
Awesome. And so it's uh, it's in Vermilion. Where at USC? Where is it in at, on the sprawling campus of the University? Of South yes, Dakota? on the sprawling campus. It was in the Lee Met Building, and we just moved it over to ID Weeks Library. Oh, okay. um, we kind of did a dual engagement. Yep, and it will be there till um, we're probably going to get it sent off by May third. So just a little longer, but the semester is almost over. So tell me, what kinds of things will I learn from it? Uh, you know, what sort of topics are we talking about here? Global health is a, a very large topic. Yes. What are yes. what are the what's the information on the in the exhibit? Um, you know, it really starts about trying to motivate the viewer to look at the global health campaign. Um, we're talking about health and human rights. Uh, it goes through some pivotal events that have set the stage for the global health agenda that we are working on. And I really think a lot of this, and many people think, oh, global health, why, you know, why does it matter to me? But if you think about it, I mean, really, we've had a lot of um, things go on internationally, just even relevant now is that Syrian government, you know, it had just dropped the chlorine and the sarin gas on the people mm-hmm. in hopes to, you know, wipe out the rebels in their ongoing civil war. And we've seen pictures of the children, um, with the gas on them. And, and it's always disturbing to see the children, but all of these are things that we might look at from a distance and we kind of live in our own little bubble. But when we realize that there are so many countries out there that are still living in um, low-income, um, you know, lack of sanitation, lack of clean mm-hmm. water, lack of health access, um, it kind of opens our eyes up a little bit more. Yeah, and I, you know, there's Zika virus, which is affects us oh. and, and comes, you know, there's a, always examples of the latest health crisis in terms of will it end up here, uh, Ebola yep. and, and all this. And I heard an interesting story the other day that um, I think it's in Brazil where th- the uh, yellow fever has sort of become rampant in rural parts of Brazil mm-hmm. and they don't have enough uh, uh um, medicine and yep. it's become like uh violent there's gangs like uh traveling around uh stealing the virus to take back to their own village or their own uh headquarters to save their own people i mean and that's right. so that's a global health crisis in brazil that could you don't know what's going to happen right right no we you know we've made awesome gains in 50 years you know between like 1950 and 2010 our life expectancy in the world has gone from kind of an average of 48 years to about 68 years. Hmm. You know, we've eradicated smallpox. Um, we've almost eradicated all cases of polio. Um, we've done a really good job of, you know, making vaccines and making preventable diseases um, actually a reality. But like you said, you know, we live in a global world, right? We can get on a plane and go all around the world every day, and people are doing that. Uh, that spread of disease, that's happening. You know what I mean? Not everybody has the same level of um, standards for vaccinations. You know, we have to have our children vaccinated to go to school. Not all countries are like that, or they don't even have the availability to have those vaccines. Um, And when you're talking about yellow fever, we have dengue fever and chicken Google and all these like crazy name um, viruses and diseases, infectious diseases. Well, those things are going to happen. You know, the, the kind of the preparedness people in the public health world say, oh, it's not if the pandemic is going to happen, it's when the pandemic right. is happening. And so we're having more and more cases of emerging and re-emerging diseases that usually are coming from animals. And a lot of it in the, in the world globally is, of course, our population, mm-hmm. more and more people moving into places where we're kind of pushing the animals out, we're kind of encroaching in areas where there's deforestation. Um, you know, and, and some people say, hey, there's climate change, and other people say no, but really all of that affects that little ecosystem. So um, definitely we're all interconnected in, into yeah. that. And water and sanitation and, and the things you yeah. can control make a big, big difference. Um, we're going to come right back after a short break with Angela Landine of the USD School of Health Sciences and talk more about Against the Odds, making a difference in global health. That's all on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And we continue our conversation with Angela Landine, who is an instructor at the USD School of Health Sciences in the beautiful downtown Vermilion. Actually, it's not downtown. It's on campus. And their, <laughs> and their exhibit, Against the Odds, Making a Difference in Global Health, is currently in the ID Weeks library that's right in the middle of the sprawling University of South Dakota campus. Angela, um, how long is this going to be, is the exhibit going to be in Vermilion? Yeah, we got it on March 23rd, and it will be up till May 3rd. So um, definitely, if people are interested, um, please get over there, check it out. And like I said, we um, have a little computer set up next to it, so you can get on there and get a little bit more interactive. It's definitely very colorful and informative. Yeah, so it's colorful, it's informative, there's a website. Angela, what's the purpose of this? What's the mission here? Um, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, raising awareness and as we're moving through the years of public health and global health since um, the Alma-Alta conference, and this was in 1978, around this time, um, leaders from 134 countries came together, and this year is the 50th anniversary of that. And at that time, really more than half of the Earth's people, they had no access to affordable health services Many of them were without the basic needs for survival. You know, if you don't have medical care, clean water, you know, shelter, safe shelter, nutritious food, um, those illnesses are so easily um, contracted. You know, you just don't have the immune system to be able to fight off things. So it starts from that, from this conference saying that, you know, really everybody deserves to have kind of a health equity between them and access it gets into then a little bit more um, with various countries of how we work within community health, you know, getting to, um, in other countries, getting to those remote villages, talking about in the United States when we started opening up uh, little health care centers. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that, started doing that down in Mississippi, in the Delta Health Center. Uh, this, this was really a new thing for the health workers to open up these clinics and to actually get to the population instead of having the population right. go to them, you know, get to the center, they came to them. And, you know, and especially in our state and many of the uh, very rural states, there are people that are still driving 100 miles to get prescriptions. People are driving that distance just to get to a doctor visit. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, it's very common. Yeah. And, yeah, and yep, you, definitely. And then think about uh, if you didn't have you know, the basic infrastructure like you were talking about, sewer and water and all that. Um, so uh, first of all, Angela, how did you end up as an instructor of doing global health work and public health work uh, at USD? How, it sounds very interesting. It's fascinating work. How did you end up doing this? Oh, gosh, I've um, kind of had a very different career. But uh, before this, I was working at HHS in Maryland, um, for Health and Human Services at HRSA, and really enjoyed my time there. But um, if you've been out to D.C., you know it's just too many people. And I yeah. guess I'm kind of a um, a Northern Plains, Midwest girl by heart, and I, I kind of like my space, my wide-open spaces. So mm -hmm. um, we had moved back to the, to the area, to South Dakota, and then um, had known one of the deans at the school, and she had said, hey, we need a public health person. So just all kind of ended up like that, and I and I really enjoy it, and I think the kids um, are learning so much, and what's really nice is we're actually working toward a Bachelor's of Public Health program, which is, which is really great because we haven't had that before in the state. It's kind of interesting, as you talked about, we've been talking about the world, global health, mm -hmm. and we think of, you know, uh, the jungles of Brazil and the, the open savanna somewhere in, in Africa or what have you. But really, public health issues are very important here in South Dakota. And you mentioned people having to drive 100 miles. Uh, it's, it, we really do have a crisis of public health to some degree in the state of South Dakota. Yes, we do. Um, and, it's, and it's not only that, just the distances we go, but, you know, we are, um, our prevalence of breast cancer is higher than mm -hmm. most states. Um, our sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia and gonorrhea are very high. Our diabetes rates are high. Our heart disease rates are high. Obesity, all of those things, those are public health issues. Um, and when you have uh, one state department of health, you know, in a lot of other places, you have kind of local um, health departments right. that are in these counties. 
we just have one state health department. And so, again, with it being so rural and almost frontier, our healthcare systems kind of pick up that local public health healthcare um, responsibility yep. um, to provide services. Um, so it, it's a different kind of paradigm than normally public health runs in, like I said, in, in places that have these counties. But it's hard because there are so many services um, that a county health department provides that we just have to make sure that we're getting that to all of these these residents. And, you know, we might do a good job sometimes, but definitely it's, it's hard. And, you know, the winter we had and yep. um, it just complicates are closed it. down. Yep. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah. It's very complicated. Angela Landine, she is an instructor at the USD School of Health Sciences. And the exhibit is called Against the Odds, Making a Difference in Global Health. It'll be there till May 3rd in the ID Weeks Library at USD. Angela, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Patrick. Coming up after this break, we'll finish up here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. I had a lot of fun today. Very interesting. Public health and politics and Supreme Court and twins. It's awesome. That's how it is here every day, though. It's a variety. Tomorrow, join us because Greg Cook of uh, Six Hundred Five Running Company is going to be here previewing. There's a half marathon this weekend. Sponsored by 605. We'll talk about that. Jacqueline Palfi will be here for the KSO Zambros Community Book Club. Boone Man is on the line for Weird Friends. And blogger Pet Powers of Dakota War College. Talk about politics a little more. Always fun. See you all tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.